we are so glad that you are here with us, whether you're on campus or online or later with us on demand this week. And uh, today we launch a series uh, called Pulled. Um, and before we launch it, I, I just want to take a, a minute or two to, to say thank you to Pastor Josh and Pastor Kayla for uh, preaching here over the last couple of Sundays while I took my annual summer study break. Um, and I will have to tell you that a study break is not entirely a vacation. There's time uh, that I spend in isolation and time I spend getting ready for uh, the next six months to a year of ministry here at Eastside. Uh, but there are vacation times, and so uh, I, I really enjoyed that opportunity, and I want to thank them as well as our entire staff for the way that they were a part of making sure the ministry here continued to go in my absence. I also want to let you know that uh, next Sunday, uh, Pastor Jason Fries and Pastor Lisa Garrett uh, will be stepping aside from their responsibilities here. It'll be their last Sunday with us uh, on staff. And uh, we'll be having reception after each of the services out in the connecting place. Hope you'll take an opportunity to stop by and thank them for their contributions. Lisa's been on our staff uh, in a director or a part-time pastor role for somewhere in the area of about three to four years. And uh, Jason has been with us around 13 years. Um, and so we're grateful for them and the contributions they have made to the ministry here at Eastside. So I hope you'll plan uh, to be with us. As I was on this, uh, this time away, knowing that we'd been planning this series called Pulled, um, it was kind of interesting to watch God reinforce what, uh, what he'd been putting in my, in my mind about what this series ought to be. Because you see, one of the things that we're dealing with as people right now uh, is what it means to come out of a global pandemic. Uh, one of my good friends who travels quite a bit said, you know what, Carrie, since around the, around the world, you're just seeing, it's like everybody has post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's like everybody's just trying to figure out what do you do next after this pandemic and the, even the, the implications that are still there for it. And while I was on my trip, um, yeah, there was there were some times I was in Chicago, there's some times I was in St. Louis visiting family in both of those places and then uh, spent some time in Florida. And I, I found it extremely interesting um, to see the different reactions that people have in those places. Because it's like, you know, um, in Florida, the governor of California is running ads on the television in Florida, inviting people from Florida who don't like their governor and the way things are being done in Florida to move to California, all right? Um, and then I'm in Chicago, and I have a pastor friend who is, um, who's telling me uh, that his his congregation, which is located downtown Chicago, uh, next to the Chicago Tribune uh, offices, distribution center there, uh, were that, that congregation primarily made up of people in their 20s and 30s. He's a young church planter, uh, and God had blessed them in great ways. And, and uh, in fact, there are some Anderson University alums who are part of that. It's kind of how we got connected a little bit. And, and he's telling me, Carrie, half my church moved out of Chicago in the last two and a half years. They just moved. They left. Um, and and then, then I'm in Florida, uh, and, and one of the fun parts in Florida was I went into a Ben and Jerry's, okay? And because and it's vacation, there's a part of it's a vacation, which means you can eat what you want to and the calories don't count uh, when it's vacation, okay? And, and so I'm, I'm there, and I'm getting, you know, my 
my favorite ice cream from Ben and Jerry's, and I look up, and there's a sign, and it's a, it's a great sign. Maybe you've seen it in some other places, but, but I saw it there. It said this, no one has enough employees, so please be kind to the ones who showed up to work today, all right? And it's like everybody's, and, and then you get the numbers that back that up. For instance, in the month of June, in this nation, in the United States, in the month of June, four and a half million people, 4.5 million people left their jobs. Now that doesn't mean they were let go or their jobs ceased, they quit in the month of June. And the federal government has been tracking that number monthly for 20 years, and that is the highest number of people to ever leave their employment in a single month since they started keeping records. And then there's, there's a number that comes out of the corporate world where what are referred to as C-level executives, the, the executives who have, been, who have been the ones making the decisions that have to be made, um, and that in those C-level executives, those positions right now, 58% of the men and women who serve in those kind of decision-making positions are quitting, leaving, finding another place to work, another way to make a living. And so we're coming out of a, a really, really intense season in the, the world in which we live. When all the rules have changed, and as I said a few weeks ago before I left on my study break, I was referring to this as a cultural shift, but it's actually not a cultural shift. It's a, it's a cultural earthquake, all right? I mean, it's just everything has been completely changed. And that's, the, the church is not exempt from those things. Things have changed in in so many ways that many of us look around and we think, man, well, I don't even recognize what the, what the church looks like, like my pastor friend in Chicago. And we're like, what's going on in the world and, and how in the world do we react to it? And I saw the perfect illustration. In fact, I mentioned this first service and between services I got two emails from somebody trying to help, okay? You see, what I really want to illustrate this sermon series is a giant Gumby, all right? I don't know if you know who Gumby is or not, uh, but, but if you were a kid, Gumby, Gumby, when if you, you missed some children's television, if you don't know who Gumby is, but Gumby is this guy that's like a huge eraser, okay, and, he, and, he, and he's big, and he stretches, and they stretch him all over everywhere, and I think that's what everybody, and I found, a, I found a, a Gumby, you know, this size Gumby, but I'm, I'm looking for like a, a six-foot Gumby, all right, like, like a real-life Gumby uh, to help me with this series because it's like pulled, and so I got, I, I got emails uh, and just in case those people are watching again now or somebody else is wanting to watch, if you Google Gumby and you send me the stuff on eBay, first of all, it's too expensive. I'm not that rich, okay? Um, and, and secondly, um, the, the, the ones on, they don't stretch, okay? One's a stuffed Gumby, and the other one's an inflatable Gumby, uh, but I want the Gumby that you can stretch, all right? Because, because that's what I feel like we are. I feel like as people right now, God is just God is, God is watching us, and, and we are just being pulled in several different directions. Now, here's what you need to know. The, God's not surprised. The, the, the pandemic didn't surprise God. But God is at work. Here's what I believe. Out of every tragedy, out of every trial, out of every tribulation, even the, the deep-seated pain, even, even things like the shooting in, in the malls or the shootings in the, in the shopping centers or the shootings in the schools, all of the, the deep-seated angst and pain, I, I believe God redeems that pain. I believe that God is a God who redeems the heartache, redeems the trial. Now, we don't see where that's going, 
But I believe with all of my heart that that's what God does. He takes our pain, and when we experience it, he steps into our world and into our life and says, here, let me walk with you through that. And so over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to talk about what it means to be pulled in all these different directions, and then how do we move forward out of it? And in order to do that, we're, we're going we're gonna to use as a, as a roadmap for, for our journey a, a letter that was written in the first century. In fact, th this letter is the first letter, we think. We're, we're pretty sure. It's hard to date all of them exactly. But, but we feel like it's the first letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote to a church. It's, it's called Galatians in your Bible. It's a, it's a book in your New Testament it's a letter from the Apostle Paul. Now, now, here's the context of the letter. Paul had, on his first missionary journey, he and a guy named Barnabas, the son of encouragement, they had been commissioned by the church in Antioch to go out and tell people who don't know about Jesus, who aren't Jewish in background, about who Jesus was. That Jesus died on the cross, that he was raised on the third day, that when he died on the cross, he did that as a sacrifice for our sins, our failures, our heartaches. That was God redeeming, redeeming us. And that on the third day, he was res resurrected from the dead. And that was, that was God's way of saying, look, I'm going to take your pain and your, your trial and your heartache and redeem it into eternal life. I'm going to give you a life that will last forever. That's what Pastor, Pastor Josh was trying to talk to you about last week, about hope. And, and I'm going to do it in such a way that, that you're forgiven and you're made whole. And that's what Pastor Caleb was talking to you about a couple of weeks ago about shame and the origin of shame and, and the fact that, that, that real, real godly critique, godly conviction of your life leads to change. It doesn't, just lead, it doesn't lead to shame and, and feeling like you don't belong, but that the, the Spirit of God at work that convicts you of what's going on, that leads to change. And that's what they've been trying to teach us the last couple of Sundays. And, and now what Paul's saying to this church in Galatia is this. Listen, you, you have an opportunity to live in relationship with God because it's in your faith in Jesus Christ that your relationship is born. And when you have faith in Jesus Christ, that's called the gospel. That's called the good news. And historically, the people who were the people who shared the good news, uh, because in the first century, there, there wasn't any internet, there wasn't media, there wasn't television, there wasn't newspapers, there weren't print. It, it was a person who went from one village to another village and shared the good news, shared the news that they, that they had heard. In West Africa, in the Ivory Coast, where our staff missionaries, Larry and Leanne Sellers, serve and represent us, I, I've been there a number of times, and there's a cultural thing that happens there, okay? Every time you go into a village, when you step into a, a village, the, the elders of the village, the, the men of the village, will greet you. And, and if, you're, uh, if they have a church there, the, the pastor of the church will be a part of that grouping. And if you're a guest like myself when I'm traveling there, then what happens is they, they bring you out a chair. Often it's a, a, a very special chair reserved for guests who come. And when you walk into the village and you sit down, first of all, because it's warm, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a climate in, in sub-Saharan Africa, they always offer you water, always water. And then they ask the question, what is the news? What, what, what's the news? 
And, and so you, if you're coming from, the, from another village, you're coming from, you, you share what's been going on in that village. And, and, and so it's the question of what's the news? And, and what Paul's saying to the church in Galatia and what I believe the Holy Spirit of God is trying to say to us in 2022 is here's the good news. The good news that you can trust God. And the good news that, that in spite of the people who would distort the truth, in spite of the, the, the pressure, in spite of the pulling within our culture, there is still good news. And, and so this morning, I, I want to I turn your attention to, to the way in which Paul addresses these people. Because here's, here's why he's writing the letter. You see, he went into their, into their towns and into their marketplaces and into their synagogues. And he began to teach them who Jesus was. And then when he left them, they were believers in Jesus. They said, you know what? I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. But then somebody came along behind him. It's a group of people who, who came along and they said, no, no, Paul just told you a little bit about what, what it means to serve Jesus. But the reality is there's more to it than what Paul said. And in fact, if you really want to be redeemed, if you really want to serve Jesus, then here's what you've got to do. You've got to adhere to all the Jewish rules and regulations for your diet. And you've got to, men, you've got to be circumcised. And you've got to follow all the Old Testament laws and all the Old Testament. And then when you do all of those things, then following Jesus is, not, is what will make you connected to God. That is not what Paul taught. That is not what Jesus taught. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said to, to Nicodemus in the middle of the night when he said, hey, what must I do to, to, to have eternal life? He said, listen, Nicodemus, here's what you've got to do. You've got to literally be born again. Now, not in your mother's womb because Nicodemus was kind of real, you know, like, tangible. Like, you mean I got to go be born again? No, that's not what I'm talking about, Nicodemus. I'm talking about your life, your soul, your mind. You've got to have a transformation of your mind. And so, Nicodemus, here's what you've got to know. God loves the world so much that he sent me, his one and only son. And so when Paul went in and he told these people that, then he leaves town and these other people come in behind and they say, oh, no, 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 no. That's not enough. It's kind of the same thing as what's going on in our world right now. See, you, you can't really be a Christian unless you're part of this political party. Or you can't be a Christian unless you believe these things philosophically or you're, you're signing this petition. or you No, no, listen to me. We're not talking about a cultural Christianity. In this series called Pulled, we're going to look at what it means to focus on who Jesus is. As you sang earlier, King Jesus. As, as Josh reminded us very, very bluntly and very, very accurately, you see that the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's not a totalitarian state for a human being either. No, 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 it's a... It's a kingdom, and there's one king, and, 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 and Jesus is the king who sits on the throne. His father is the creator of the universe. His father is the one who creates everything. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they are the king. They are the authority, and, and it's not the religious system, and it's not the political system, and it's not the cultural creations. No, no, no. It's this relationship in the kingdom of God, and so what? What Paul does is he, he writes to these people who are being pulled and says, listen, the way forward is with the gospel. The way forward is with the good news. And he does it in, a, in such a, an amazing fashion. Listen to what he does. In Galatians chapter 1, the very first words, he, he does it differently. 
when he start, writes these other letters, I mean, maybe it's because it's his first letter, but, but I really think it's because he really knew what had to be said to these people. Because you see these, these people, these Judaizers who had come behind him, these people who said, no, you've got to be a Jew before you can be a Christian. They were trying to create a religious system, and, and they were basically undercutting Paul's authority and saying, you know what, that guy didn't know what he was talking about. And we know what we're talking about. And so Paul writes to them. Listen to what he says. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man, of humanity, or of God? Or am I trying to please man, humanity? If I were still trying to please humanity, I, I, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, what what. What Paul's trying to say to these people is, look, you had it going in the right direction. You had a connection to God through Jesus. You, you confessed your sins. You put your faith in him. You had a relationship with God through Jesus. And now somebody's coming around and they're saying, no, no, you need to do something more. And, and what, I, what Paul's trying to say to them is, look, I'm here to let you know you can't do that. You, you can't. You can't marry your culture to your Christian faith. Your Christian faith has to always be above your culture. You, you have to, you, you, you can't say, oh, I'm gonna be a religious person. I'm, I'm gonna go to church and, and I'm gonna do the right things because it's the right thing. No, no, see, you do the right things. You come to church, you participate in the life of the body because you've been placed as a member of the body because of your experience of Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you're here today or you're watching us online, please let me, let me explain to you very quickly. I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad that, that, that you're watching us. And I really want you to know this is a place where you, you don't have to have it all together to be here. In fact, I've told this congregation many times, if they're looking for the perfect church, don't join it if you find it. Because the minute you join it, it's not perfect anymore. And, and, and the fact of the matter is that, that what Paul is talking about is that in a pulled, distorted world, there is a kingdom, a kingdom of light in the midst of the darkness, a kingdom of love in the midst of hate, a kingdom of redemption in the midst of the failure. And that kingdom is the place where Jesus is the center, where the gospel, the good news is what Jesus is about. And, and in these words I read to you, in these words he states to the people in Galatia, he actually lays it out. And what he does in this introduction that's different than any of the other introductions to any of his other other letters is he actually takes on 
and from the very get-go, the accusations that have been made to him. Did you hear it? You see, what, what happens is this. He lays out for people. He lets us see that God is for us, not against us. And the good news is that Jesus' heart, Jesus, Jesus' heart is for us. He came into the world. He was born in that manger in Bethlehem. He lived as a boy in Nazareth. He was a man teaching in Jerusalem. He was hung on the cross. He died on the, and was resurrected on the third day. All of that because his heart is for you. That's the good news. He loves you. That's why he told Nicodemus what he told him. He loves you no matter who you are. And what Paul does is he says, look, I mean, from, did you hear it? Paul, an apostle. Look, look at these words again. Not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. In the very first sentence, he's saying to the Galatians, listen, this thing is about Jesus I am an apostle. Now, that, what does that mean, that Paul was an apostle? That's not a word we use in our language a lot these days. Well, here's, here's what it meant. There were kind of two levels of apostleship. One definition of the word was like, okay, you were with the teacher. And, and that, you know, that teacher, you were with him. And because you were with him, you were given power. And what these people are coming around saying, well, hey, Paul wasn't one of the 12 guys that Jesus picked. In fact, Paul was actually putting people in jail and having people killed for believing in Jesus. Why in the world would you listen to something he said? But what, what Paul's saying is, hey, I'm an apostle not because I was one of those 12, because by the way, there were 12 of them, and do you remember what happened to, the, to one named Judas Iscariot? He was never an apostle. He was a disciple. A disciple who failed. A disciple who turned his back. You see, the, 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 just being near to Jesus, being one of the 11, wasn't the only criteria for being an apostle. No, the, the other criteria, that second level of being an apostle was that you had met Jesus, you had encountered Jesus, but you had also been commissioned and empowered by Jesus. And that's where Paul steps up and he says, hey, listen, I'm not an apostle because I met with these 11 guys in Jerusalem. I met Jesus before I met any of them. And, and I spent time with him before I spent time with any of them. And I didn't get my authority from them. No, I had an encounter with Jesus. And when I got my encounter with Jesus, then suddenly he commissioned me. And so that's why he says, look, I'm an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. From the very beginning of this letter, he's saying, listen, you've been duped by people who think they've got credentials when the reality is they don't have what it takes to really know what God is telling them to say. And friends, right now, right now in a post-pandemic world, there are people doing that to people everywhere. If you don't believe me, sign on to Twitter. Just spend a few minutes on Twitter. I, mean, I, I had a friend who, who, who tweeted out the other day, every pastor should be on Twitter and they should be, they should be trying to, 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 to argue for the gospel on Twitter. I'm like, are you crazy? You can't win that argument. I go on Twitter just to see how bad it is. And it's bad. Except for your posts, obviously. Your tweets are all good. I just want to let you know. But, 
But we're living in a world where there's all of this animosity. Uh, when Becky and I were in the Florida part of our time away, we, we had this really great place that we stayed, kind of a private, secluded uh, beach uh, kind of thing. Not very many people there. It was a great place to just, just chill out and connect with God. And One day we decided we'd go for lunch down to the little town nearby where there was the public beach. And as we're going to the public beach, we realize there's a lot of difference in a private beach and a public beach in Florida, okay? I mean, there are people just everywhere, and there are cars everywhere. And as we're pulling through this little beach town, as we're, as we're coming up, all the, I mean, everybody's parking on it. And we see this guy's a pickup truck in front of us. Now, remember, I, some of you know this, but I grew up in Mississippi where there's a pickup truck, there's a gun, Okay? You just, it's, an, it's a given. If there's a pickup truck, somebody's got a gun, all right? And so I'm on A1A, and we're going, and all of a sudden, uh, on the left-hand side, we see an open parking space, and the guy in front of us in the pickup truck cuts across the lane of traffic, and he's about to, like, turn left across traffic into this very precious, prized parking space, right? And when he gets, all, all of a sudden, he sees standing in the parking place, is a man with two beach chairs and a little boy. And I'm assuming it's his dad. And so the, the dad and the little boy are standing there, and he's, got the, and he's going, he's standing there. He will not let the pickup truck in. And he's standing there going, no, I'm saving this for, and he's pointing down the road. And the guy in the pickup truck rolls the window down. I turned to Becky. I said, duck, somebody's going to get shot soon. It's just, it's going to, right now, you know. And all of a sudden, the guy in the pickup truck leans out, and he says something, and the guy, the guy with, the, with the chairs, he drops them right there with his son. I mean, hundreds of people around, the only parking place available, and he stands and he yells, you want to fight for this parking place? Come on. And I'm going, it's a parking place. You got your kid? Be a man. Not a middle school student. You know, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I really, I didn't say that because where I come from, if there's a pickup truck, there's a gun. And uh, I didn't want to get shot. You know? and, and so and we're living in that kind of world right now where there's that kind of animosity and that kind of anger. Some of you have seen it at the grocery store over a cart. But the fact is, Paul is saying to the people in Galatia, and he's saying to us, listen, we're not supposed to live in that kind of world. We're supposed to be the people of God in the kingdom of God. And, and when we do that, we, we know that, that the good news is that Jesus' heart is for us. And, and get this, it's not just that his heart is for us. The good news is that Jesus' action of redemption, he does that on our behalf. He, he, actually, he actually came and lived and died and was resurrected for you. He didn't just stand up and say, well, I think you ought to do this, and I think you ought to. No, no, no. He, he, he was the bearer of the good news. He was the one who was the prophet. He was the one who was the Messiah. He was the one who is the sacrifice for your sins. You see, you can't be good enough to get your own redemption. I, I, I mean, I know you can really try hard, and I know that some of you are extremely talented and extremely intellectual, but the fact of the matter is there is not a human being alive who can who can pay for their own sins. You are not perfect enough to do that. But the one person who was ever born who was perfect enough to cover your sins and the sins of the entire world did it. He didn't just talk about it. He died on a cross 
for the sins, not just of the people there in front of him, not just for the people who had lived up to that time, but for everybody who would ever live. And if you're breathing, he died for you. He died for you so that you could find a way forward in a world that is so divided and pulled and partisan and political. In the face of the pain and the heartache that you've encountered, he died for you. And the good news, the good news that Paul proclaimed to the people in Galatia and the good news that that thousands upon thousands of people have proclaimed since then is that Jesus didn't just say it, Jesus actually did it. Look at the way Paul said it. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Now here's the deal. Some of you are looking at me saying, well, Pastor, you mean that this age is even though there are two ages. You've got to get this. And they coexist at the same time. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. And they have different value systems, and they have different kings. Remember, we talked about kings today, okay? And the king of the kingdom of God is King Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's a set of values there. That's a place where heart is for you. That's a place where redemption is paid for by action. But in the kingdom of this world, no, no, the king there is someone who is against you. He's not for you. Now, he, he will convince you. He will tell you that he's for you. But he's really not for you. He's against you. And he's trying really hard to keep you out of the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the people of God. But Jesus died so that you can be forgiven. Jesus died so that you can be in his kingdom. His actions speak louder than the enemy's words. And so when you ask Jesus into your life, then you have to begin to let him shape you, begin to show you what it means to live in that kingdom. And and when that happens, then suddenly you realize, you know what, my values are different than the values of the other people around me. And so I'm living in a different time, but at the same time, that kingdom's still here. And that's what Paul's saying. Look, Jesus did this in order to deliver us from from the darkness in the power of this present evil age. And the good news is that Jesus' power to deliver us, that, 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 that deliverance delivers us from the distortion, the distortion that's around us. Some of you are looking at me and saying, now, Pastor, what do you mean, the distortion that's around us? See, in the kingdom of this age, there's just enough truth to make you think it's true. It's distorted. It's, it's like Gumby, stretched all out in different directions. And what Paul's telling the church in Galatians, look, these guys, these guys who've come behind me, these Judaizers, you know, they, they've got some things that are true. You should honor the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, like the Old Testament tells you to do. And, and you should honor your father and mother, like the Ten Commandments tell you to do. Those are not bad things. They're they're truthful things. But here's the deal. They're not enough. You can do all the good things. Paul, in fact, in another place, Paul says, you know what? I've done all of these things. I'm a Pharisee among Pharisees. I can do all of this, and it's not enough. It's never enough. 
In this present evil age, all your good works are never enough. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus is enough. He's enough to forgive you. He's enough to heal you. He's enough to restore you. He's enough to redeem even your greatest failure. He redeems us. Because you see, he delivers us from the distortion. Now in this moment, as Paul's writing, he goes on a, he goes on a rant. I'm just going to tell you, what I'm about to read to you is a holy rant. It's just, it's a rant. Because he's, he's saying to these people, look, I taught you better than this. And now you're going to act like this? I mean, look, look at what he says. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. By the way, that him is not Paul. He's not saying, hey, I'm so, I'm, I'm so upset that you are not listening to me anymore. No, no. He, what he's saying is, you're deserting Jesus. I'm, I'm so astonished that you're so quickly deserting Jesus who called you in the grace of Christ and, and you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we already preached to you, then let them be accursed. And by the way, that word accursed is anathema. Uh, that, that's a word that, that just, all, every time I hear that word anathema, I'm just like, oh. Because anathema means, no man, you don't touch that at all. Let them be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let them be accursed. Let them be anathema. And then he goes, am I now seeking the approval of humanity, of man? Am I seeking the approval of God? A am I trying to please human beings, mankind? I if I were still trying to please human beings, mankind, I would not be a servant of Christ. My friend, we're being pulled in so many different directions that what's, what's essential for us right now is to not give in to the present age but to understand that there's something more than your religious heritage something more than your religious preferences something more than your traditions of how everything has ever always been but instead but instead there is Jesus and Jesus heart is for you and Jesus actions are for you and Jesus, Jesus will deliver you from the things that would distort your soul. When you came in today, you noticed a little white card on your pew or on your chair. If you're with us online today, I, I want to invite you to, to find a pencil and a piece of paper. For those of you on campus in the in the the pocket of the chair in front of you or if you're in the balcony in the, in the little pew in front of you, there's a place where there's a pen. I'm gonna ask you to take that little card and that pen and, and I'm gonna ask you to do, to do something in the next couple of minutes. You see, um, earlier this week when we were talking about this concept of 
being pulled and finding our way forward through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus Christ. Pastor Josh said, hey, you know, there's this song, and it has these lyrics. I'd never heard the song before, but the lyrics were, were just so good. I said, Josh, we're already going to teach everybody another song during the worship set Sunday. But I, but, but I listened to it like three times. I'm like, this is just too good. So we're not here to teach you a song. We're here to sing you a song. And while we sing you a song, we're going to ask you to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask you to open up your heart, your mind, even if it's your very first time here, even if you've never been in church before. I believe that God has you here today for a reason. I don't think it's an accident. I think he wants to say something to you. If you're online with us, I, I believe that, that this is the day he has for you. And, and what, I, what I want you to do is to think about your life. And I want you to think about the places, the things that distort your view of Jesus. Maybe it's, maybe it's something somebody said about you one time. Maybe it's a sin that, that you just can't seem to get it out of your life. Maybe it's an addiction. I, I don't know what it is, but, but I have this, this conviction that, that each one of us needs to come before God and say, hey, God, look, I, I know Jesus in, in your heart is for me. I know it's not just talk. You, you actually took action to redeem me. And so I, I really need you to deliver me from this. I need you to take this away. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a sense that you've sinned in some way that you don't think God could forgive. Maybe it's a pain. Maybe it's something that happened to you. I, I don't know what it is, but, but what I'm going to ask you to do is as you listen to this song, I'm going to ask you to write it down on that card and then I'm going to ask you to do something really really hard I'm going to ask you to step out from wherever you are and come down here and we've opened up the, the tops of the altars that was that was done originally so that people could take communion there but when we open them up like today it becomes a place where we can take the barriers, the distortion, the sin, the pain, and we can place it in front of God because that's what an altar is. An altar is a place in front of God. And you can place that in that altar and leave it there. Now, if you're with us online, I'm going to ask you to take yours and, and I'm going to ask you to destroy it in some way. For those who are longtime members of Eastside, you know, I, I have a bad history with fire, so I'm not asking anybody to burn anything here at all. I had a sermon illustration go bad one time, y'all, and not good, not good. And, um, and if you're, if, but wherever you are, I'm going to ask you right now in these moments to listen to these words, and then if you've ever seen the old movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You know that just before he gets to the Holy Grail, he does this test. 
where he has to take and step out. You remember that? And he looks down at it, and he can't see what he's going to put his foot on. But then he puts his foot on it and finds a firm foundation. In fact, there's that moment when he goes, and you think he is going to the bottom, right? But it's there. And that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take whatever, whatever is distorted, whatever is bad, whatever is painful, write it down and bring it to a place where you can just leave it with God. And then watch what God does as he moves you forward out of a place where you're being pulled. If you're on campus with us, I want to ask you to go ahead and stand with me.